Welcome everybody to the Flock Pod hashtag zero twenty one, the Rolls Royce episode. How you doing, Shane? I'm doing good. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing really well, man. I'm doing really well. We are uh, just hanging out here in the condo. We are at the Flock Pod on all your major social media platforms out there. You can get out there and find us on the Bookface, on the on the Tweeter on Instagram, all those different places. We are available. Zuko's in the house with us tonight. Producer Zuko, keeping us clean on the ones and twos. I am at Coach Justin D on all those same social media platforms. I am at Shane Potter 6 on the Twitter and at Waka Flocka Shane 6 on the Instagram. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't laughed at that in a long time. <laughs> so I just felt like I had to bring the fake laugh that time. Um, so we got a good pod for you guys today. The Rolls Royce episodes will definitely touch on uh, his progress. We we'll go through a little pro ducks segment later on in the show. Uh, we're gonna start things off a little USC uh, review. Um, we kind of rode in there in our own Trojan horse and just took over Woo! the place. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful I was, night. It was the the start was a little bit. Uh, well, hold that, hold that. We'll get into it. Yeah. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get there. And then uh, we're gonna talk about some hoops. Zuko, can you please get down? We're just guys. Zuko's on one today, so he's just gonna be a part of the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy his uh, his segment, his, <laughs> his contributions here to our podcast. But uh, yeah, okay. Let's let's get into it. I mean, I was I was very worried early on. Um, what it was ten nothing. Ten nothing. Yeah. Ten nothing. I literally told my dad go to sleep, like, cause he gets grumpy really early on in games. So Papa Duck, you know, just needed to kind of relax and then watch it the next day. And then he was very happy. But, yeah. yeah. Tell me more about your reactions. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, it was like USC had all the energy, all the swag. Uh, Herbert looked shook to begin the game. Um, oh, it's not like we haven't seen that before. <laughs> he didn't look Tyler shook. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then it was as soon as the momentum started rolling, though it was it was all good. Uh, it was a little bit. I mean, it it was like you you said before, Herbert being a game manager. It's when he's at his best. But I mean, he finished the game twenty one for twenty six, two hundred and twenty five yards, three touchdowns in the air, and one on the ground. He did throw his second interception of the season early. But he found his he found a new toy. He found his favorite toy. He kind of found a replacement for that tight end position, and he's actually spreading the ball around a little bit, and thankfully, actually throwing the ball outside the numbers with success. Yeah, and we've seen it like he loves his security blanket. It was Dylan Mitchell, loves his binky. Then, and then it became uh, Breland, and now I think he he may have found his uh, new favorite target in Juwan Johnson, who uh, ended up with seven catches on the day for 106 yards and. A Three touchdowns. Day. Had himself a day. And you of play course, in a, any kind of like Debbie fantasy football league, you have a problem, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. But secondly, if you had him on your team, well done. Yeah. Uh, and he was the hero against Washington State, and it kind of seemed like that may have been the uh, the confidence booster that, that he catalyst. needed. Yeah. yeah, that catalyst that he really, really needed to move forward. And you know, it was interesting to me, it felt like a classic Pac 12 road game where we knew it was going to be chippy. We knew that U of O had been dipping their toe in the recruiting pool of the backyard of the USC for the last couple of years. We definitely had some guys, you know, a lot of guys that have played in LA, a lot of guys with family there that night. Shoot, we were playing with brothers versus brothers yep. on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, it was chippy from the start, and they came out swinging, and the, the quote from Tombstone just jumped into my head when we were down 10-0. It's like, all right, Ducks, you're going to stand there and bleed, or you're going to do something? You know what I mean? You just got punched in the mouth, and they came out, and they really responded well. Yeah, um, and Pittman ended up with three catches for uh, 36 yards. Uh, 
Don't know if you can call him the older brother with that kind of a performance, but he was definitely a factor in the game. Yeah, and his brother uh, scored a touchdown. I don't remember his stat line. I feel like early on in the game, he was much more of a presence, and then I honestly couldn't tell you what kind of schematic change U of O made, but they definitely made a, made a change to take him more out of the game. Yeah, they took him out. I think, I think he scored the first touchdown, and then it was the Herbert interception that set up the field, the goal, field goal, which was a big stand. That was a, that was a precedent set by the defense early on that, hey, this aggression will not stand, man. Like, we're going to actually dig our feet in here and make, make a play. And I thought, watching it live, I initially thought that that interception was more on, I think it was Travis Dye. He stopped the route. Yeah, but then you, when they showed it from behind Herbert, even if he thought like that route was going to keep going, he still sailed it. It's pretty like, egregious. Four yards over his pretty head. Pretty egregious. And you but know he, me. he settled down. I am not the guy that's going to give Justin Sherbert a lot of benefit of the doubt. And even in that situation, that was a pretty egregious. Yeah, and then... Um, then we had some guys step up and do the uh, the intangibles. We saw a touchdown from Brady Breeze on defense. Love Brady Breeze. And then we saw... Good for that um, kid. God, what a cool name, too. Uh, Great football name. And then Michael Wright with a 100-yard t- uh, touchdown kick uh, kickoff return. Yeah. By the way, I got a chance uh, when we were there on Media Day um, to interview Brady. That kid is just good old Americana. Yeah. Just a good kid. Like, really, really good kid. And I feel old even saying that. But just you could tell that he was trying to be diligent with his answers and like kind of be as articulate as possible. I feel like he would have had a little bit more like bruh in there, you know what I mean? <laughs> if he would have been allowed to. But just, just I'm, I'm really happy to see a kid like that succeeding in his role because he was really passionate about stepping up this year and being a factor in that secondary. So good for you, Brady. And he has a. Uh... He had seven tackles, an interception for the touchdown I mentioned, and a fumble recovery. He and Holland both had a day. Both mm-hmm. had a big day. Holland's interception was beautiful. That one-hander Absolutely across Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. yeah, great play. And then um, having Wright step up also, not as necessarily a play on defense, but that kickoff return was huge. That was a huge yeah. momentum play. Really showing his athleticism. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Explosive. I mean, that was dynamite in a bottle. But as you mentioned before, it was there was some things that needed tightening. There was a lot of chippiness. I think that was the most um, personal uh, 15 yarders for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct I've ever seen by two collegiate teams uh, combined. Uh, Oregon finished with 11 penalties for 157 yards, and a couple of those were 15 yarders for unsportsmanlike conduct. So. I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. I think Cristobal, A, was furious to have that happen. But going into a bye week, I think deep down secretly in his beautiful heart, he was really happy to have that kind of ammunition to go into a bye week, to go after his guys, and to talk about again. I, I Okay, full, full, full disclosure here. I've never played football. I've never padded up. I've never played in a football game. But I understand the controlled aggression that it takes to play that game because it's similar to water polo. You have to play with a physicality, but you also have to be the smarter player. And honestly, in a lot of those situations earlier in the, early in the game, U of O, the Ducks were not being the smarter team. No. They were putting themselves in bad situations, and then they were being the second guy. They were being the retaliators. They were being the guys that were going to get caught. Yeah, and I mean, we saw a lot of just like jawing that, I mean, once, once the refs come up, they put their hand on you. You just shut stop. up and walk you away. You gotta stop. It's just they're they're giving you the chance, and we saw it a couple different times where the refs were letting go, letting it go, letting it go, and then 
I don't know if they said a magic word or if it was just an, uh, you know, everything all coming together of just them refusing to, you know, stop being all chippy in yeah. each other's faces. Yeah. But it just over and over again. Um, and yeah, and, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau showed out a little bit, um, four tackles and ended up with a sack. And he's at three and a half sacks on the season. Uh, he was definitely out there. A good amount, and it was a homecoming game for him being yeah, from the greater Los Angeles area. That's kind of the guy that you're referring to. I mean, obviously, they referenced it even in the, the telecast that USC would love to have that guy on their defense right now. And they they should in all intents and purposes, right, but he yeah. chose to come here. So, again, for him to go out there and play the way he did um, is huge. That's huge. Yeah, uh, USC won time of possession, but they were playing from behind a lot and with a couple quick scores. Uh, they were in the position to have the ball a little bit more. So I don't think that is as telling as it is in some other games. Uh, Oregon was 4 for 4 in the red zone. Uh, defense held SC to 91 total rushing yards. That's big. That's huge. I mean, I mean, obviously USC's down to their, like, what, fifth string, you know, running back. They had nobody there in the backfield to really run the ball with. So they've really relied on Slovis's arm for the entire game, almost running like that Patriot-style quick hitting, you know, using those short passes as their running game. And it allowed U of O just to get their, just pin their ears back and just rush that quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, again, when you saw him start to move his feet and when U of O was able to get him off his spot, that's when we started having success. That's when the Ducks defense started having success and creating those turnovers, especially in the second half. Right. And going into a bye week or an idle week, as they also refer to it this week, is good. Considering CJ Verdell, uh, Six carries for 12 yards. That just plays hard. Yeah, but I'm kind of wondering if uh, that the, the pace in which he runs is kind of catching up with him a little bit. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And and it's he a plays long season. with ruthless physicality. Yeah. Um, I know I compared him earlier in the season with Alvin Kamara. He doesn't do as good of a job as Kamara is avoiding that that physicality. He's more of a Chris Carson in that sense. Mm -hmm. where he almost seeks it out. Yeah. And he's going to have to make some adjustment to his game if he wants to continue to be that dominant force for the Ducks. Fortunately, our stable of running backs is deep, and we're going to talk a little bit about that a little here in a second. But I mean, Verdell is definitely the guy that they want in the game. He can do a little bit of everything. He can be the combo back. He can be the power back. He can be the out of the, out of the backfield receiver. Um, he runs a better route tree, I, th I think, than Die does or that Cyrus does. So they really they're able to unlock a lot of cheat codes when they have him in the game because they don't give anything away. Right, and we saw Travis Dye led the team in carries. He had a 12 for 75. Um, I don't love seeing a ton of Travis Dye. I think he's better utilized as a change of pace back. Kind of a third down back. He, again, he has a little bit more of a, li a li limited route tree, but he's good catching the ball out of the backfield. He does a really good job on some of those angle routes and some of those things. Um, I would love to see more Osiris. Yeah. I would really love to see more Osiris. He really protects the ball. He hammers. He punishes. And he's got the kind of body that can take that punishment and dish it out. I would love to see him get more burn, especially in the fourth quarter of games. You know, kind of be like the closer, if you will, behind that big offensive line just to mow down defenses. 
And then uh, we did see a little bit more. I mean, this is uh, this was more in the garbage time. Uh, Producer Zuko is telling us that we're running a little bit short on time on this segment. Yeah, I think he's trying to move uh, us along a little bit. <clears throat> but uh, Darian Felix, uh, ten carries for like forty-three. That. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I like what I see from him. It looks like he has really good vision, and he doesn't waste any time getting through holes, and especially those holes on the left side that uh, Penny Suell. Um, I have an article about him coming out soon on DuckNews.com. Uh, he's the way that those holes uh, can be opened up so quickly with those guys, yes. like Calvin Throckmorton, Shane Lemieux, yes. and the way that they can get up into the second level. You really like a running back in this system who's going to plant their foot and go. And uh, Felix, is just I mean, his burst speed is incredible. The only thing I worry about with him is, again, he runs angry. He runs yeah. violently, and I worry about him, you know, getting in a position where he's going to get hurt. And it's not, I think you're seeing a theme with the kind of guys that Cristobal wants to give the ball to, the guys that aren't going to run out of bounds, that are going to give that extra hit. But that takes a toll, you know? Yeah. It really does. So I'm curious to see how that plays out for the rest of the season because... Those other running backs are good, but again, CJ Burdell being in there unlocks so many more mm-hmm. things for the Oregon offense. Yeah, and also in uh, some garbage time, we saw Tyler Shook go out there. Uh, it was two for three for 41 yards, and he threw a touchdown to Mike Pittman. Could be argued we could have seen Shook a little sooner. I think we could have, yeah, and I do think that Herbert was left out there for one reason and one reason only. Heisman stat padding. Uh, uh, yeah. But whatever. But uh, Shook on the season, 12 for 15, 144 yards, three tutters. Team Shook. Picks. Team Shook. Start him. He looks good. Start him. Get him in I, there. Get, her, like get this Sherbert guy out of here. And uh, Get the, this Sherbert guy out of here. The one time that uh, he was made available for the media availability, he came out and was answering some questions. It was early in the season when we saw him. I don't remember which it was after which game it was, but uh, he was like cracking jokes. He uh, media savvy. He's a red shirt freshman. So he got all those tough classes out of the way last year. You know, now he can get into there and... Uh, Really learn learn from Herbert how to you know manage the team, control the clock, control the uh, you know play that field position battle. But I think he's also got like a little bit more of like a killer instinct than Herbert. I'm not saying he's better by any means, but I think he has a little bit more like he'll go for the jugular a little bit quicker than Herbert. I'm I'm excited to watch him get the reins next year. I think that I think we're I think that Duck fans are in a great position. I think Cristobal has done a good job of getting the cupboard loaded up, so it's going to be a situation of reloading as opposed to rebuilding. And speaking of that, one of the things that the U of O has done a really good job of managing and being aware of this season is the redshirt status and kind of massaging things a little bit. And there's some interesting loopholes that honestly I didn't even know about until Shane brought it to my attention. Um, but he's kind of got a little happy list of guys over here that um, they've got some options. They got yeah. some, 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 and it's it's similar to like those minor league contracts where it's literally like they're creating more options for themselves, you know, and kind of putting, paying, putting things off a little bit. So yeah, right. Hit, hit me with this list. Uh, well, with some of the freshmen that we have that have made that we've already seen on the field uh, at some point this year, and with the new red shirt rules, you can play up to four games in the season. So once you appear in a game, you play a snap, you go on the field. That game counts as a game, and then you have three more after that. So because of that, we have some guys who uh, can either play out the rest of this season and not play any postseason games, 
uh, I mean, this season, including the Pac-10, Pac-12 championship. I said Pac-10 championship. We're old. Woo! Uh, but, um, so Sean Dollars is a guy that I was very high on earlier in this year as a recruit. Uh, all-purpose running back that we've seen in three games. So if he were to not play against Arizona this week, yeah. he could play the rest of the season here in all the rest of the remaining games and still be a freshman next year. Wow. That's kind of... I. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay, continue, continue, yeah. continue. Well, on top of uh, Sean Dollars, we also have somebody with a similar, uh, a familiar last name and Patrick Herbert, who's appeared in two games. So he can play the rest of the season and still get his red shirt. Yep. Uh, wide receiver J.R. Waters, who uh, had foot surgery before the season, was initially, they said, was going to be out the entire year. He's, the recovery process has gone a little bit smoother than they anticipated, so... He's being made available maybe at some point this year. They're not ruling it out. And because he hasn't appeared in any games, again, he can play the rest of the season and still maintain his red shirt. And then uh, linebacker Gmon Edford has only appeared in one game. And uh, defensive tackle Kayon Ware Hudson has only appeared in one game. And in that one game, he had a sack and two other tackles. Impact. So, yeah, I mean, it, and that's a kind of a point or a place on the roster where we have uh, been fortunate, knock on wood, that we didn't have to uh, dip into our depth too much, and these things are still available. And uh, <laughs> and it's nice. it's definitely something that uh, Cristobal has been talking about. He mentioned the fact that in the game against USC, that burned uh, Michael Pittman's redshirt. So yes. he's, that was his fourth game uh, that he appeared in. So I mean, even he was like commenting on the fact that like yeah, we it was uh, like unfortunately we had to burn his redshirt. But he's a guy that does things they on need. this team. And oh, we, yeah. We need. That's not a guy that we can afford to like put in the cupboard. Yeah. Um, Josh Delgado is another one. He lost his red shirt against USC. Uh, but there's there's even some upperclassmen uh, who, uh, even if you're a junior, you can, you're can you still red shirt eligible. <laughs> Producer Zuko helping us out here, guys. He's a, he's a telling us that he's integral got a, part of, the, of it. Yeah, telling us he's got stats. <laughs> move it along. He's he doing a good job over here. Yeah, so that's going to be something really interesting to see, especially next week against Arizona. Keep an eye out for uh, some of these guys. Because, I mean, if we do see Sean Dollars, it would be really interesting that, you know, you know, barring well, an injury that we wouldn't be able to use later in the season – because I know they want to, they want to hold on to his red shirt. That could maybe be a sign about CJ Verdell's status, also. If Very we true. see Sean Dollars play more of a, a larger role, or if we see other backs, you know, getting more carries and touches early on in the game. So um, that's going to be fascinating to kind of keep an eye on that. And speaking of number seven. Um, the Ducks have actually landed at the number seven position in the latest college football playoff rankings that came out this week, and I don't. There's not a lot to argue with on the on the whole per se, but the fact that both Utah and Oregon is ranked behind a Georgia team that lost at home to South Carolina, an unranked team, an unranked team, an injury depleted, unranked team. Backup, if not backup to the backup quarterback. Okay, I'm not a big West Coast bias guy anymore. I feel like over the last five to ten years, it's gotten a lot better, and that of you know just the internet has really changed the game and just getting information out there and streaming services and things of that nature, which really make a big difference. However, 
Come on, <laughs> Rob Mullins. You're even. The, you are the guy on the board, and you don't have Although two Pac-12 he's not, teams. He's not allowed to be in the room when they're discussing anything Oregon. They have okay. to like cipher him out of it, which I, get I understand. That. And he's done a great job too. So of, get out there and advocate for Utah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, because uh, yeah, for those who don't know, Rob Mullins, who's our athletic director, is the head of the committee that chooses the that uh, does the playoff the rankings. College football playoff ranking committee, which Condoleezza Rice is also a part yeah, of. And yeah, There's some other people on there. It's I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts about this, but I'm not going to get that upset because it's going to really play out like a little tournament. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, and they did something like strategically that at first I was a little surprised by, and then I was like, oh, no, that makes sense. Which They kind of had Penn State leapfrog a couple teams, but with the remaining schedule of Penn State and Ohio State, who is the uh, number one ranked team in the college football rankings, yes. uh, they have to play each other, so in like it automatically cancels each other out. So it makes sense to put Penn State in that position because then later in the year it will they can knock each other out. It won't be as convoluted as if they start out number six and have to come back in. So it that that makes sense. I was okay with that. Uh, Clemson, I think Clemson fans are probably going to be the ones who are going to be the most upset with the way the rankings shook down. Clemson and Clemson and Pac-12 fans have the most to be angry about for sure. But it's going to be like a little tournament. Like, it's going to play itself out. And as, as long as Oregon continues to win their games and they're able to beat Utah in a convincing fashion in that Pac-12 championship game, I feel confident that because they were willing, because the College Football Playoff Committee has talked so much about being willing to take on these games and go play these big-level competitions and these marquee games, I feel confident that they will put Oregon in, in the bracket. Now, it might not be at three where I feel like they should be. It might be at like a four or something of that nature. But it's going to play its way out. Yeah, so if we have Alabama beat LSU, LS, and then Auburn beat Alabama, then we have LSU lose at some point. Ohio State loses Minnesota. I mean... Penn State beats Ohio State or Ohio State beats Penn State. I mean, I, one all, of those teams is going to probably get in. I would. I don't think you're going to see two SEC teams get in there this year. I do think that Clemson's probably going to win out. And how do you leave that team out when they're undefeated at the end of the year? It's This could be the year that the committee finally has to look at things and they say we have to go to eight. Yeah. I mean, do you think that there's a possibility of... Um, Oklahoma leapfrogging some people as it gets down because they looks like the rest of their schedule is fairly easy. I believe they play Baylor still this year. Wasn't their loss a bad loss? I'm having a hard time remembering who they even lost to. Uh, yeah, but I mean they lost early enough. Um, it was a bigger game. I remember it being on like uh, nationally broadcasted. See, Justin's looking it up here. It's this is great podcasting. <laughs> beautiful stuff right here. But so I think there, I mean, there is a possibility of some of these other schools. And I mean, I think what they're kind of doing right now is breaking it down in like a most, the mo- most simplistic fashion that they can. That here's your list of undefeated teams. Here's your list of one loss teams. And basically comparing those undefeated teams to those one loss teams and how that would stack up. Where things get a little bit murky is you know, the timing in which you lose. Everybody knows that losing earlier in the year is better. And so Oregon's loss against Auburn looks good, being the first game of the year, and then noticing that Auburn is you know, a pretty good team outside of that, as they've done re- well in the SEC this year. 
So Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, and it was it was a high scoring game, forty eight to forty one. Kansas State's now yeah, ranked Oklahoma high scoring game. No way. Yeah, I mean they have a terrible defense, but <laughs> so they're they're Kansas State's five and two. So it's not a terrible loss, but Oregon has the best loss in the country. Yeah. I'm sorry, how do you not? That is the they led the entire way. They went and played a really good team at the first game of the season in Dallas in a stadium they knew was going to be predominantly Auburn fans. Yeah, I mean, Duck neutral fans, site. Duck fans travel well, but let's be honest, let's be real. If that game's in Southern California, there's a lot more Duck fans yeah. are there than our Auburn fans. However, just the fact that Oregon was willing to take that game and honestly should have won that game yeah. if Bo Nix doesn't pull some kind of <laughs> crazy pants throw out of his... Well, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> shut your mouth. I, I just... It was incredible. It was. Yeah. It's incredible that that loss is now going to be the one thing. Again, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Oregon still has to handle their business here as we, yeah, as we move forward. Yeah, we still got Arizona, Arizona State. Still some really tough games ahead. Oregon State is looking feisty lately. Yeah, they're, um, they're getting better every week. They picked up a big recruit, too. Some defensive end, some Juco defensive end, which was kind of surprising. But again, we need to move things along here. Um, I just realized something. This weekend, I'm probably rooting for Alabama and the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, Whoa. welcome. Oh, man. Welcome to the Rough. Seahawks side. Buddy. Well, just for one See, week. So this is funny because I actually want, I think LSU winning that game helps us more. And then Auburn beating Alabama later on. So then Alabama has two, because LSU, I, I kind of just want LSU to just win out and be the SEC team that makes it, right? And then it's, and it's un understood that they're the best team. Yeah, and they get the one or two. And seed, Auburn already has two losses, the so they're not going to get above us. So if they come in and they beat that, I think that's kind of the best way. So, I don't know, maybe we need to put a little uh, friendly wager on that LSU-Alabama uh, game. But anyway. Alabama's six-point favorites. Yeah, and two that, might not play. That doesn't make sense at yeah, all. But get let's get that yeah. different. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and jump on a beautiful segue and head to the NFL. Uh, I really want to wish DeAnthony Thomas a big good job you. Good job, buddy. For getting picked up by the Baltimore Ravens, a yeah. team that he might actually be able to get some burn with. And I mean, it's the, the way their offense is set up. If he does, it's it's pretty clear that he's being brought in for special teams. Um, yeah, they had a uh, muff punt when they played New England, and I believe the guy who muffed it was cut. Um, what was his name? Did you do Cyrus Jones? Uh, when they were up 17 nothing, muffed the punt that kind of let New England back in the game, and I think Harbaugh was like, "All right, enough with this." Uh, and they've had kind special of a Belichickian move just to cut a guy after he fumbles. Yeah, and uh, from what I understand, Baltimore's had some trouble with special teams all year. Also in that game, Justin Tucker missed a uh, PAT. Shenanigans. Yeah, so I mean, things are kind of falling apart there. It's that sixth year in the NFL. He's been with the Chiefs this Good whole time. Good for you, time. Dad. So many people said that that guy wouldn't even like get signed by a team. You know yeah. what I mean? And so for him to be in the league still... And to still be hopefully making an impact. I mean, we'll kind of see what his role really ends up being here in the next couple weeks. But yeah, good for you, Dad. He has had one catch for six yards on the season. Uh, his career numbers, he's got 65 catches for 509 yards and four touchdowns. But he also has uh, 85 punt returns for 751 yards and a touchdown. And 58 kickoff returns for 14-22. So, I mean, he's, a, he's de like made his niche as a uh, return specialist. Niche? 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 niche, niche. I, I, th niche. I figured if I said it weird, nobody would care. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Okay, good You strategy. don't know how to say something, just like throw a fake accent on it. So, I have a funny 
D'Anthony Thomas story that I want to tell. Um, when I was a little younger, uh, my mom and I had all these kind of like, you know, ideas about how to make extra money and things of that nature. I love D'Anthony Thomas. I had a D'Anthony Thomas jersey for a long time, a duck jersey. Shout out number six. Mm-hmm. And then we had this idea, you know, everybody was saying like, oh, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? It was kind of like a popular slang or whatever. Sweet. And he was called the Black Mamba, the right. nickname given to him by Snoop Dogg, who I saw in concert the other week. Really good concert. Fun, fun What's show. The, uh, good old wins? Chinook Wins. <laughs> shout, out, shout out Chinook Wins Casino. Fun concert. I digress. Um, so we made these t-shirts that said, who's your Mamba? Oh. And it was, it was kind of fun, you know, kind yeah. of a fun little thing. So uh, I was I, wondering where you were going with yeah, that. Yeah, we were to connect things. So, <laughs> so I'm out at one of the games, I think during Dat's junior year maybe, out there selling these shirts, and we put a little O on it, like you're not supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. So don't don't come arrest me, University of mm-hmm. Oregon, for this. We know you're listening. I know, seriously. Because <laughs> you steal all of our ideas, but that's yeah. a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm out there selling these shirts, and all of a sudden, this I'm over by the the bike bridge over on the other side mm-hmm. on the campus side not on the Austin side and all of a sudden this person with like a U of O badge comes around the corner and mind you I'm in a walking boot right now because mm-hmm. I just sprained my ankle my mom had dropped me off and so I see this person coming so if you can imagine someone with two big duffel bags full of t-shirts in a walking boot attempting to quote unquote run <laughs> from someone across the bike bridge just just in your mind play with that visual for a second it was uh, pretty hilarious I'm sure somebody uh, who was indulging in some adult beverages found that to be quite oh hilarious. I can only imagine and yeah. if there were more of a time of a cell phone video I'm sure I would have been on somebody's viral video <laughs> uh, so yeah that was just the, the story that just jumped into my mind there uh, shout out the black mamba shout out that uh, happy for you my friend Another guy that I'm really happy for, a guy that's now on my fantasy basketball roster, Mr. Dylan Brooks. He had himself a night the other night, and he has the opportunity to continue this kind of performance for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I, the one thing I was a little disappointed about was it was supposed to be the uh, the Dylan Brooks versus Jordan Bell game, and Jordan Bell got a, another, another DMP. This time, uh, he was listed as questionable with a so- shoulder injury. Before the game, but then he was cleared to pet play. It was on the roster, and it was listed as a coach's decision DMP. But that may be because they decided that he didn't need to go. So before we get too much onto this Dylan Brooks thing, I want to jump. We had a little conversation before the podcast started. We had a little Blazers tangential conversation here. The Blazers are in need of a power forward. Yeah, I know. Timberwolves have one or two to spare. And they have one that they're not really using. They have right one now. that they're not really using that could really be a benefit to the Blazers. That almost got drafted a lot of things that could really help. Okay, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I think that'd be a fun little hypothetical. Continue. Yeah, I also want Montrez Harrell. But anyways... Uh, That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was just watching that game last night and being like... Ugh, that dude. game was hard to yeah. watch last I got very angry. I got very angry at the end. So anyway. on, on Wednesday, Dylan Brooks had uh, 31 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. His second highest point total. Last year he scored 36 at some point. Have a night, young man. Yeah. Have a night. Um, also on Wednesday, Chris Boucher saw 5 minutes on the floor, got an assist. And a win against the Kings. Troy Brown had 7 points couple rebounds. Troy Brown's been probably the most consistent uh, of the products in the NBA. If you will. Yeah, yeah, since coming back from his injury, he's definitely the uh, the one who was the, the furthest along before uh, 
before the injury. Yeah. I mean, he kind of solidified himself in that on that team where Jordan Bell's in a new situation. Uh, Dylan Brooks. I mean, yeah, I guess Dylan Brooks and Troy Brown are right around the same. I mean, they're, they've been in the same organizations for the last year or two, but it's definitely a little bit of a different situation, especially for Dylan having um, John Morant now in that backcourt. Yeah. Who's going to be able to get him some shots? Going to be able to free him up a little bit to create some opportunities for him, which is fun to see. Yeah, and uh, earlier in the week, let's see, uh, it was on the fourth. So last week, Jordan Bell did see 15 minutes. He got 12 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a loss uh, at home against Milwaukee. So he was he's tr- he was trending in the right direction before uh, Wednesday. I mean, the game before that, he saw 11 minutes, four points, two and two. In a win against the Wiz, uh, 12 minutes a week Wiz before arms. that. So, I mean, he went from uh, earlier in the year, we were a little worried. I mean, we went from having pretty high expectations for Bell in this uh, on his new team. I had really, yeah, absolutely. I am wrong. Very to, wrong. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to getting DMPs to start the year. But he also missed the entire preseason with an ankle injury and some other things. Uh, Minnesota is a weird team. Have you caught them at all this year? I have not seen them play. No, I only I witnessed the fight that they had, but that was about it. So it's a lot of uh, give the ball to Towns, and then everybody stand around and watch. And then he's gonna pass the ball to somebody if he can't get a shot up, and then you better figure out something to do with seven seconds left in the shot clock. Oh, good, that's, he's that guy. That's a lot of what's happening in Minnesota, and I think we can both agree that doesn't really fit Jordan Bell's game. No. <laughs> it's no. not like, here, give Jordan Bell the ball, go get, go create a shot for yourself. I mean, he got pretty creative in his time with the Warriors, but that's definitely not his strength. No. So, I mean, you want he wants to be running up and down, uh, getting the ball in transition. When he does get the ball in a half-court set, you want it to be coming off of like a dribble drive or a double team or something like you that. You want him to dive into the hoop. You, yes. want him, you want to be throwing this guy alley-oops. You want him getting offensive boards underneath and dunking on other guys' faces that are bigger than him and then going to the free-throw line and missing free-throws. Yeah. And uh, also, Boucher, we've kind of seen. He's been floating right around like the four to seven-minute mark. Um, it's just good to see him get on the floor, to it, be frank. It is, and... We like we discussed before, uh, and I think he's on the same trajectory. Uh, he's going to see an uptick of minutes uh, with it just being a long season and that team having uh, veteran bigs. Mark Gasol is going to come up with some back spasms here in a week or so. There's going to be some things that happen. Serge Ibaka might get traded. You know, there's going to yeah. be some things that happen on that Raptors roster that'll definitely, hopefully, create some playing time for him. Uh, one thing we haven't talked. A lot about is just the well. Anyway, this is, that's maybe a different. That's a, that's a topic for a different day here on the podcast. We don't want to run too long here with you, and we have some other hoops to talk about here. We don't want to get too caught up on the NBA. Yep. We have some some duck hoops, some uh, some men's and women's action to talk about. Some some women actually get their opener, quote unquote opener, on Saturday. They're at Matthew Knight Arena. And then Monday is their true opener versus Northeastern Oregon, if you want to even call it that. But the Ducks, the men themselves, they've actually, they played the other night against Fresno State. Yeah. Looked okay. I, you know, Dana Classic and Dana Way, you know, wasn't all that happy with things. Saw his little press conference afterwards, was talking about some things that they definitely need to improve upon. But Peyton, Peyton Pritchard played like the guy that I wanted to have last year. Pritchard balled out. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I, I hear a rumor that there was actually a, a handsome gentleman with a good beard in the st- in the arena that day. Oh, twas me. 
was I? Yeah, uh, sat third row, baseline. Had hey, good seats. Nice. Yeah. Um, in a half empty, half full uh, Matthew night. It was. I hate that. It was a Tuesday night. It was. It was Still weird. Though. But yeah, season opener season for a team opener, that's in the top fifteen. Yeah, I know. And uh, I think that some of the players noticed that the energy level on the floor was a little peculiar to say. Uh, and then Francis Okoro was listed as out. But then played on, a lot. Yeah, and then played basically the whole game. And he had a really interesting, like, injury, like, mm. where he left the floor. And, uh, when you're at the games, I think some of the best things to do is, like, you notice, like, body language. You see a lot of, like, stuff oh, that, yeah. uh, yeah, you yeah. don't see on camera. Off the camera It stuff. was really interesting that he, he dove on the floor a couple times and with a shoulder injury. He's wearing a giant brace. Huh. So when you dive on the floor, unless you just flop and you really want to eat some floor, you're going to put your hands down, then, you know, creating some tension on said joint. So then he dove for this one loose ball that he really didn't have any business getting. Hits the floor. Uh, somebody else gets it. They get it up to Pritchard. He's leading the fast break. Uh, Okoro slaps the floor in, like, frustration. They blow the whistle, kill the break, and then uh, he gets up. Everybody's kind of looking at him. Dana Altman doesn't really look at him at all. He gets up, goes to the bench, Dana's sits not down. the most compassionate guy in the world. Slaps the chairs next to him, and then gets up with the trainer and goes to the tunnel and takes his jersey off. I was sitting there like, was that the last we were going to see? Yeah, Francis, Francis Okoro? Yeah, 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 I was yeah. Like, that would look like he might be His last done. stand. But he came back, played the rest of the game. Uh, Fresno State definitely uh, took advantage of not having him at full strength. They started their uh, backup center at power forward okay so they went big yeah and they were playing inside out the whole game they were dumping it in their guards were there wasn't a lot of good shooting on the floor either on either side of the ball uh which was you know not the most fan friendly game there's a lot of clanks but and because of that you also saw fresno's size and rebounding ability fresno state's a feisty team they're a team that you might see on the bubble near the end of the season and maybe a tournament team so for the ducks to come out physical teams i've ever seen yeah and for the so the ducks for them to come out and handle their business like they should on a night where they don't have their full onslaught of toys yet and Vali dante is still technically considered ineligible so that'll be a big puzzle piece for altman to play with when he's able to get in there Coral's obviously not playing at 100%. The freshmen are not in Dana's good graces yet. Give them a little bit more of an opportunity to really learn that defense, and maybe they'll figure some things out and be able to play a little bit more. But you really saw Dana relying on those graduate transfers. It was fun to watch Anthony Mathis out there with Peyton Pritchard. It was fun to see Peyton Pritchard smile on the basketball court. I think that's the first time I've ever seen it. He, You can tell that, I mean, they played together in high school, but you could tell. Oh, they're the brothers. Shane, they're <laughs> brothers. Didn't you hear it on the broadcast? They're brothers, Shane. I didn't. Brothers. I didn't hear the broadcast. But uh, brothers, Shane. They're <laughs> brothers. But they the the way that they spaced the floor together was really good to see, uh, especially for like a JUCO or not JUCO transfer, but a transfer. Yeah. Uh, normally, there's a lot more of like a gelling process, and they kind of skipped that step with them. And then um, Chris. Well, Duarte, they obviously have a brotherly connection. And then Chris Duarte, my boy. My guy. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a little Chris you're a little you're a little Chris Duarte. Yes. Uh, he's just a plug and play guy. He's another there. I mean, he can just do things. He can score. He's long. With the ball in his hand, he can score without the ball. Uh, I mean, he plays good defense, yeah. good size. He can yeah. play the two, he can play the three. Um, and I mean he was a couple shots away from, you know, having a, an incredibly impressive yep. uh, debut. Um 
Sorry. <laughs> Little but pause, yeah. dramatic pause. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so the the only the one piece of the puzzle that I think is gonna take a little more time is the CJ Walker. Yep. Um, it was his debut. You could tell the college game was a little bit faster than he'd been used to playing with. Yep. And he kind of he had a really weird start to the game where the first time he touched the ball, somebody went for it, he wrapped around the back. And then immediately turned the ball over in like a jump bounce like pass. you do. Weird thing. And you could tell that it just, it shook him. He was embarrassed by doing it. And he just never got back in the full swing of things. Yep. I was praying at halftime I was talking about, like, if he could just get a dunk and just forget about what just happened, I, I, I think he'd end up with like eight, six, and four or something like that. He ended up with like three rebounds, no assists, no points. Freshmen have a hard time with Dana. He's not the easiest coach in the world to play for, especially coming from a lot of these high-end high school programs where a lot of the coaches, let's be honest, let's be real, are roll-the-ball-out coaches. Mm -hmm. Unless you come from Montverde where you're really getting coached hard and you're getting developed and things of that nature, some of these bigger programs and all those AAU programs, I'm sorry, get out of here with your... Anyway, that's a whole other soapbox <laughs> I could get on. But Ooh. a lot of them are just roll-the-ball-out, play-four-out-one-in, dribble-drive... Justin's got his clipboard out right now. Yeah, don't, don't, get me, don't get me started. Don't get me started. But I was excited to see Pritchard take control of the game. I was excited to him be for him to be so offensively aggressive. He looked very comfortable. I believe this team is going to be better defensively from the get-go as long as Okoro is healthy than last year's team. You know, kind of going back and forth with Bol Bol, and Bol Bol was never the defensive force that we wanted him to be, even in those, what, 14 games that he played Don't in. let those block numbers fool you. The guy wasn't playing much However, defense. when Infale Dante is able to get out there, and I strongly believe he will get eligible to be able to get out there and play. It sounds like it. It really is going to unlock a lot of cheat codes for that Duck coaching staff and enable them to do a lot more and be a lot more aggressive in that kind of amoeba zone, man zone that they play. And Shakur Justin, another trans. For, well done on um, the name pronunciation there. <laughs> uh, he, he looked good. It looks like he's a, a defender that uh, can switch in the pick and roll easily and guard, you know, ball handlers to the screeners and uh, very versatile in defense. The problem with the first game was that he was guarding somebody who was a good six inches taller than him. And they weren't. I hear that's not good. Right. And because Fresno State went big in most of the game and kind of forced some weird lineups from Oregon. Uh, Which was good to see, actually. Yeah, Dana kind of went to his grab bag. Yeah, there was a lot more uh, Will Richardson in like a uh, off ball. Um, I like him. I, I, like do, him I do too. Lot. I do too. And I like his demeanor. He's so calm on the he floor. He looks a lot more comfortable this year than he has in past years. I and don't know less, if losing uh, the fro has been a little yeah. bit more of a help and for and him. And he didn't have but... like all the accessories. I think he took off all his accessories and Anthony Mathis got all of them. <laughs> like, I was like, wait a minute. Just wait passed a minute. them down. Like, here it, you go, bud. It was tripping me out at the start of the game because I didn't uh, I didn't get a program when I went in. I was like, wait, all right, so who, who, which number is who? My eyesight's not the best. I was having a hard time reading the names on the back of jerseys. I was like, I was like, Will Richardson like shrink five inches? I was like, oh no, that's Anthony Mathis. All right, cool. But yeah, we saw a lot of uh, Richardson and Pritchard on the floor together. Which I like that. I think what we're gonna see more of is Richardson be the the substitute for. Uh, You're gonna see Mathis be that backcourt mate a lot more often. Yeah. So it, it was kind of a herky jerky rotation, and then we went. Oregon was up. 15 to 7 in the start of the game. They took Pritchard out and it was and then it was 16-14. Uh, so, without Pritchard on the floor, the team kind of lost their identity. 
Uh, kind of saw a little more stagnant play on offense without Pritchard out there. But again, I think that's something that's going to improve in the season considering these guys, I mean, what, returned seven players total? Yeah, they brought seven. They had seven, yes, yeah, seven guys. Seven yeah. guys who were on roster last year with with redshirt. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's going to take a little bit more gelling. Um, but, I mean, this team's fun. They, they have a scrappiness to them. And uh, I, I really like... Th- the start of this year, I feel a lot better than the start of last year. Well, that's what I mean. I think that the floor is already so much higher because they have the defensive ability and they have the knowledge. They have the head of the snake, if you will, with Pritchard really on his game and being comfortable with having Mathis here. It's going to be really fun to watch. And speaking of really fun to watch, mm. if you are in town and you are available, you should definitely go check out the women versus the USA national team tomorrow and then the men also play um in the evening so it's kind of a little bit of a double header there looks like it's going to be a beautiful day that on the downtown uh, eugene oregon campus so definitely check that out if you get a chance and then the women also have their official opener monday night versus northeastern oregon go the watch men, the mother of ducklings men yourself. are playing uh boise state who's like kind of a rival always feisty yeah. boise state and i believe did we lose to boise state last year yes we did uh yeah. it's the first game of the no it wasn't the home opener it was uh the second or third game but it was very uh very aggressive so zuko is getting aggressive here speaking of that so i think it's time that we wrap things up here yeah. shane anything else uh, for this week? i think we're all good go out there this weekend and uh support those ducks yeah go support your ducks and be safe there kids be safe everybody uh thank you for making it to the end of the podcast go give us a like go give us a share go give us some some engagement on some of our social media posts post if you please could once again we are at the flock pod on all those social media platforms and we out peace